You're listening to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. Here are your hosts, Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin. Welcome back this week to Travel Brigade. This is Kathleen Curry here with my co-host, Jeff Griffin, your weekly travel and destination show. As they say in Ireland, a thousand welcomes. It's a very welcoming place. We're going to be talking about Ireland today, but in a very special way. A lot of times we tell you about where to travel. Today we're going to be telling you about why to travel. This is a special episode talking about tracing your Irish roots all the way back to the homeland. There are millions of people here in the U.S. as well as Canada that claim Irish heritage. Whether you're fully Irish, half Irish, a quarter Irish, or just a spot. You know how on St. Patrick's Day everybody says, kiss me, I'm Irish? Yeah. Today it's going to be, research me, I'm Irish. That's right. (laughs) And we're going to be talking about how you can find that great-grandparent you've been looking for, how you can find the plot of land maybe where they lived. We're not promising anything, but you can really have a great travel experience if you combine researching your family history and then going over to Ireland and going into the townlands, which we did. We're going to be telling you about that as well. Or just standing in the landscape of being in Ireland after knowing you were Irish, celebrating holidays, being with your family. It's just a great way to connect it all and actually go to the homeland. I've got a confession to make. I don't, as far as I know, have any Irish blood. Yeah, we almost didn't let him in the country. (laughs) But I had a fantastic time. So if you know anybody who's Irish, find out, help them out, and then go with them. It's a really great experience. We're going to be telling you about our own experience going over, and also we're going to have interviews with two people who really helped us. One is David Rencher, who is the Chief Genealogical Officer for FamilySearch.org. And also one of my favorite people, Helen Kelly, who someone described once in a news article is kind of like Mary Poppins. And she has the official title of the Genealogy Butler of the Shelbourne Hotel in Dublin. I've always wanted to have a butler, even more so now a genealogy butler. Helen was so great. We actually got so much help from her, and we were able to make this experience just literally come home. So we have that and a whole bunch more coming up. But first, we've got to get to hot topics in travel. You're listening to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. You can check out our website, TravelBrigade.com. You can like us on Facebook, or you can follow us on Twitter, at Travel Brigade. We'll be right back. What's not? What's trending? Next up this week's picks for travel news and hot topics in travel. Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show, doing my favorite place in the world, Ireland. And not just Ireland but how to trace your family roots there in Ireland. I'm Kathleen Curry here with my co-host, Jeff Griffin. It's time for Hot Topics in Travel, and I usually like to use this segment to find something off the wall or outrageous to try to provoke some sort of reaction out of you. (laughs) Yes, I'm well aware. But today I'm actually going to make Hot Topics quite topical to the topic of the day. We are talking about tracing your roots back to Ireland and going on a trip there. I don't know if you're aware of this, but 2013 is the year of the gathering in Ireland. It is being put on by Tourism Ireland. And look, these these people, they get it. 
hey, there's a bunch of Americans who have Irish ancestors who we should have them come back here. That would be a good idea. It's not just Americans. Canadians. All over all, the world. Over Australians. The world. Lots of people. All over the world. We're everywhere. And they're calling them all <laughs> home. And no matter how much or how little Irish blood you have, there's a really funny part of this ad that says, calling all Flynn's, O'Malley's, and Schweitzenberg's. <laughs> Even if you're not Irish... Just show up and fake it. There's so many cool things planned this year. So just to explain, because I didn't quite get this. I just barely heard about the gathering not too long ago. But it's, yes, they're basically doing a call home for anyone who's Irish to come back to the, back to the motherland. If you're a part of the diaspora, <laughs> which means if you have Irish ancestors. That's right. Then come on back to Ireland this year. Now, a lot of things are being done on a local level. If you go to Tourism Ireland, and we'll have their contact info and info about the gathering on our website, travelbrigade.com. You go on there, go to our episode, click the hot sheet. We'll have info on how you can look this up online. I also wanted to just make a comment. Jeff is not Irish, as we kind of made comment about, but I made him come anyway. I made him come back and gather with me. Yeah, and it was, it was great. Find somebody, if you're not Irish, find somebody Irish to gather with because there's going to be a lot of cool stuff going on. And you don't have to be Irish to visit Ireland. It's charming. It's everything that you always imagined. The green hills, the leprechauns, the clovers, <laughs> the Guinness, all of it. I didn't see any leprechauns, but I met a lot of nice people. That's true. Very, very nice people. Coming up next, we're going to be talking with David Rencher, the Chief Genealogical Officer from FamilySearch.org, to find out more about how you can research your ancestors in Ireland. I've never known anybody that knows so much about just, he's like a wealth of knowledge. And he's coming up next. Stay tuned. You're listening to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. We'll be right back. For the Travel Brigade, tweet them at Travel Brigade. Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry, and I've actually kicked Jeff Griffin out of the studio at this time because we've decided that he does have more English heritage than Irish, and since our whole show is on Irish history, I decided that I would talk to David Rencher, the chief genealogist officer for FamilySearch.org, a little more about Irish history, how you can plan ahead, look for those documents, and make an amazing genealogical trip. David, thank you so much for coming to the show. Thank you. I certainly appreciate being here. <laughs> and I think you would agree with me, David, but Jeff has all this English background. He really should just not be part of this. <laughs> it's certainly unfair. Um, too often they can uh, they can trace theirs readily, and they have far more resources and, and things to look at uh, census-wise and some other things that uh, that make it totally unfair. So I'm and glad you repressed. kicked him out. They've repressed us Irish folk for so exactly. long. <laughs> exactly. There we I go. I've got to take a stand. As we were talking today all about genealogy travel, particularly tracing your Irish roots close to St. Patrick's Day, just a little bit, we did a lot of planning before we went on this trip to Ireland, and David was such a great help to us. Tell us a little bit about some of the tips that you can do, and one of the things that 
that really stuck in our mind, David, was those six questions you should ask yourself before you do a genealogy trip. Well, thank you. I've uh, taken groups to Ireland before, and I try to prep people and their expectations before they go because it depends really on what you want to accomplish while you're there. Mm-hmm. Um, some people, you know, they want to they want to go to Ireland. They want to stand on the old homestead. They want to scoop up a jar of dirt and they want to bring it home and set it on the mantle. And they just mm-hmm. you know they just want to be able to say, I I stood in the land of my ancestors and and this is this is where they were. And if you're going to do that, then there are research methods in that that you would want to apply specifically to identifying uh, specifically where your ancestors came from. Others, uh, they just want to find proof that they immigrated from a particular parish or a townland and, and identify, you know, that area because then that opens the whole world of records to them to begin researching on whatever else their objective is. Uh, in some instances, people just want to identify the siblings or the parents of a known immigrant ancestor. They, they know they came over. Mm-hmm. They may have come with one brother, but somewhere along the line, there's a family letter or something or a, or a family history that says, I was one of nine children, but they never named you know, right. the other seven children, and, and they didn't name the parents. And so some people just want to go identify that. And then there's you know always this wonderful experience of identifying living relatives and cousins where you're able to go over, you're able to meet with them, you're, you know, you're able to go down to the local pub, you do whatever <laughs> you, know, you want to do. You just have this great experience. And, and of course, they just are so welcoming, and they just welcome you in as, as if you'd never left. <laughs> and, uh, and they're as anxious to see you as you are to see them. And so that's a really neat experience. Other people want to go over and they just want to push their, that ancestral line back just as far as they can go. They just want to see, you know, how many generations back can I push the, land, the, the line? Or how many kings or queens am I related yeah, to? Yeah, like yeah. a big thing for some people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which, uh, you know, I, I wish them luck on that because... Uh, <laughs> going to be a few and far between that, to, that actually descend. Right. Um, and, and then there's some other people that, you know, they, they, they like genealogy. They've heard the word genealogy. They can almost spell the word genealogy. But what they really have decided is, you know, my people were from Cork and Kerry, and I just want to go visit the area, and I want to learn the history, and I want to visit the sites. And, you know, I just I want a vacation-type trip, but I, I don't really want to go stick my head in a, in, in a library the whole time and, and do research. Right. And so I think those are kind of the, the six kinds of things that you would that you would want to do. And there may be something else that somebody wants to do. But depending on what that is, that really then sets your uh, strategy for your research. We were, or me, was a prime example of coming to you with a name, literally a name, information on a birth. I hadn't gone through all these ideas of what I wanted to accomplish at the end. And right. by you bringing all these things up, it really helped focus what we wanted to do on our trip. Well, and the natural reaction, of course, is, you know, people will say, well, I want it all. Yeah, right. But you, <laughs> That's true. You know, in, we do in want a short it all. period of time, yeah, in a short period of time, like a week or so, it's very difficult to accomplish all of these goals and objectives in just a week's time. Right. Um, research libraries you'll find over there aren't open as long as the ones here. Uh, a good research day in Ireland, if you're you know looking at libraries and trying to get through some records, is probably about five to six hours. Uh-huh. And uh, we're not used to that here uh, in the states or, or North America. We're used to you know being able to do you know, 10, 12 hours in a library or a set of libraries if we wanted to. Uh, the one thing that is happening in Ireland that is uh, really welcome uh, news is that much more of their material is beginning to go up online. And so anybody who's planning to go uh, certainly should exhaust what's kind of online and, and look at the resources there. And then there are 
a number of records that have been uh, microfilmed. Uh, I realize that that's a little bit older technology these days, um, but yeah. it is possible to get some of the information uh, sent to you know a family history center uh, near you, or or go to a, a particular library that may have a, a good Irish collection. And so there are resources, quite a bit, quite a few resources here in North America that you can look at before you go. One thing that I wanted to talk to you a little bit about is, and, and again, this was my kind of not diving into this as a, a newbie here. Tell us about the strengths and weaknesses as far as research in Ireland and what types of records are readily available or unique records versus things that are a little more difficult to find that you may find in maybe another country if you were looking. Yeah, so we kind of joked about it as we started the program uh, with Jeff doing his English ancestry. Um, Jeff's very lucky because the census records, for example, for England survived from 1841 Uh onward, uh, but the census records in Ireland up until 1901 uh, were all destroyed uh, by fire or uh, other matters. And so the census records are sometimes the easiest records for people to get started because they list families in family context and and you, you get to see, you know, who's living next door to whom. And so census records are a really easy way for people to to begin doing research on their family. Uh, the other thing that was uh, destroyed were many of the wills, uh, and wills, of course, give relationships. And so right. some of those key documents that we normally tend to use that, that give you the context of the family are, aren't as readily available in Ireland. Now, that's on the negative side. Right. On the plus side, um, the Catholic parish registers, most of those survive uh, for Ireland. And since the population is 90% Catholic, um, that's, a, that's really good news. Uh-huh. Um, many of those uh, in the in the cities, uh, and that began in the 1750s in some of the country areas, didn't begin until the 1830s. A little problematic for people who are product of the Irish famine uh, in the mid-1840s. When they came over, uh, there may or may not be a christening entry for them, but there may be a marriage entry for them if they were married, or there may be uh, sibling uh, christenings or something of that nature that you can still pin that together and, and, and identify the correct family. So then there are just numerous uh, land records. Land was predominantly owned in Ireland by the upper 10% of the population, uh-huh. uh, but most people had leases, and so many of those leases contain details uh, about the family, uh, sometimes give you generational links, and so there's just, there, there, it really is a lot of material. You'll sometimes hear, you know, all the records in Ireland were destroyed. That yes, certainly is yes, not true. Yes, yes, I heard that a lot before I talked to you. Yeah, and it's a, it's a common myth. We had one archive that that was destroyed, and as we say, that w- did encompass the census records. And so to some people starting out, it makes it look as though, yeah, everything's destroyed. But nothing could be further from the truth, a- any more than destroying one archive in this country would destroy all the records in this country, if you'll think about that for a minute. you know, Yeah, yeah, yeah it would be one archive, but there are numerous records all over the place, and, and the same is true with Ireland. Well, and those land records were really amazing. I actually sat in the office and saw those hand written records with, you know, red pen strikes on them and and names of our, you know, of my ancestors there and what address they were dwelling in. It was, it was a really breathtaking experience to see those. I mean, I knew we had gotten the information, which helped lead some of our trip, but then we went and saw them and saw these, these amazing, they're just amazing documents. 
They are, and the, the beautiful thing about them is that they go on for many years, and so you can see the changes in over time at that residence. Uh, you can see it transition from parents to children generation and that type of thing. And so it, it's, uh, it's very rewarding, very gratifying to be able to go back and, and actually see and view these historical documents. Tell us a little bit about the Family History Library for people who don't know what that is and, and the online resource, FamilySearch.org. I'm uh, very happy to, uh, and thanks for asking. The Family History Library in Salt Lake City, Utah, is the largest genealogical library of its kind in the world. Uh, we've been amassing records there since uh, 1894. In 1938, we began a program of microfilming records throughout the world. Wow. And um, up until recently, of course, we changed all of our microfilm cameras over to digital cameras. And so the digital asset now is beginning to rival the microfilm <laughs> uh, collection that we had. But up until we we basically have almost almost stopped. I won't say we've completely stopped, but we've almost stopped doing microfilm. Right. We had 2.4 million rolls of microfilm. That's and a lot so, of indexing. Uh, <laughs> that is a lot of indexing uh, because as we change to digital, everybody wants the exact page that the right. name appears on. They don't want to scroll through it like you used to do right, on microfilm. Right, right. Yes, good point. But within that collection, we have thousands and thousands of rolls of microfilm on our records. And so uh, the, the great news about what's in the collection in, at the Family History Library is that we have uh, 4,600 satellite what we call Family History Center so uh, branch locations offices throughout the world. Outside of, yeah. Okay. Yeah, outside of Salt Lake City, they're they're scattered throughout the world. I mean, that's a question. When we tell people that we work with you, their first assumption is it's just only for a certain group of people or if you're members of the no. you know, LDS Church or anything. And I asked that question, I think, to you, and we got this yeah. overwhelming, no, people travel no. here to do this or people can come and, and do that. So explain a little bit about that. Totally open to the public. Uh, our resources are free, so even our website at FamilySearch.org is free. There's no subscription to that. Uh, we do ask people to register on the site so that we can make things available to them and track that kind of thing and try and help, but it's, there's no fee involved whatsoever, and we're not you know, just blasting you with emails. So the Family History Centers are located throughout the world, as I said. Uh, you can get a list of them on the FamilySearch.org website. And at those centers, uh, many of them are, because of uh, space considerations, many of those are contained within our church buildings uh, scattered throughout the world uh-huh. uh, but they're usually you know they're well marked you know it's not a it's not a proselyting kind of mechanism it's just it's, we we open those doors to people researching their family history and we hope that um, in return they'll share the results of their work with us someday so those films then can be circulated out to the centers and you can view the data probably fairly close to your home now that's great and you will have information on our uh, website travelbrigade.com we have a hot sheet for each of our shows and if you have information or want to know more information about the family history library their satellites or the online information we'll have that available so david before we go i just one more piece of advice for people as they're traveling once they gather they kind of do the preliminary work before you know before they go find out some of this information what should they do when they get to Ireland? Well, when you get to Ireland, you've got to be flexible. Um, you know, things are going to happen in your schedule, and uh, and as you begin to make family connections and begin to meet people who know something about the family, you don't quite know where the trail's going to lead, and so you've got to allow some flexibility in there. I think you do ahead of time if you can make arrangements, uh, particularly for where you're going to stay and that type of thing. Although in my adventuresome years, uh, I was 
widely known to to just strike off into the countryside saying <laughs> there will be a bed and breakfast somewhere That's in my right. future. In Ireland, there is a bed and breakfast. And you know, I, I know you know Helen Kelly. We have her on the show today as well. Right. Just a great resource to look at local people as well once you get to the destination to sort of help along the way as well. Yeah, I think one of the questions everybody needs to ask when they get to the parish or the area where they're going is, you know, who is considered to be one of the the most knowledgeable people on the local history of this area? And and virtually every parish in Ireland has someone that is kind of just acknowledged in the community as their local historian. Actually, that's uh, so funny that you say that, David, because we, you know, as you know, our story, and we'll talk about this a little bit more in the show, we we went to a very small townland, you know, right outside of Lismore um, on the water. Waterford side, uh, Waterford County, County Waterford. Mm-hmm. And we had, you know, ran into a few people. We had some good ideas about where some land might be. But of course, there was a local pub, as there is in every town. Yep. And, yep. you know, the, not the kind of pub where you think of 50 people. I mean, we're talking about a pub where seven, eight people are hanging out right. and you know, enjoying right. themselves. And of course, ended up talking, striking a conversation. And the gentleman was just so friendly. He's like, you've got to meet so-and-so. This guy right. knows everything about this area. He's got old school records. He's got this. He's got that. Come on, we'll go to his house. <laughs> you know, and, and that's and, just the kind of stuff you get there. And that's exactly the way it is. And that's played out over and over and over again. And that's exactly how you find him. Yeah. <laughs> go to and the we local were a little pub. Or... And we kept apologizing, you know. And he's like, No, no, it's really okay. You know, Tony's a great guy, and right. he'll he'll take care of you. And we're just thinking, you know. Who would do that in the United States, you know, just bring some random strangers you met at the pub to your house to sit down and he welcomed us in and showed us school records from the local. I mean, it was just these little experiences you have there are just so intimate and charming. Well, the interesting thing is from the Ireland side, they know members of the family that left and went to America or Australia or somewhere and were never heard from again. Right. And, And they know who those people are. Right. And so when you make those links, it's it's very tangible. Yep, yep. It's it was just such I mean such an enchanting experience our whole little time there, and we really everyone's got a little Irish in them here in the U.S. I mean so <laughs> many people, and it's such a a fun thing to do to to do this. And and David, thank you so much for spending time with us today. Oh, thank you for the opportunity. You're listening to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. We will again have this information on our hot sheet for today's show, and we'll be right back. Questions or comments for the Travel Brigade? Tweet them at Travel Brigade. Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. Even though it's not the morning, I want to say top of the morning to you. You just heard from David Rencher, who was so helpful in getting us ready, helping us do all the research we needed to do before we went over to Ireland. One really good piece of advice David was talking about is how you know shortened the library hours are there. That gives you plenty of time to do other things while you're in Ireland. Ah, good point. A lot of what we're focusing on today is specific to researching your family history, but we want to tell you about some of the great places to visit when you're in Ireland. And of course, you know, go find the place where your ancestors were from, but there's also time to go see some of the great things that Ireland is known for. So make sure that you leave yourself plenty of time. One thing, I mean, one piece of travel advice I'm going to give you is don't 
over book because there's so many little things along the way that actually you just want to stop and observe or stop and talk with somebody or, you know, just like when we did the Ring of Carrie, we should have given ourselves some more time. One of the bed and breakfasts we stayed at, the owner there had a great piece of advice. Whatever you're doing, cut it in half. Yeah. <laughs> he said people always over plan. Ireland is meant to be enjoyed at a slow pace. Yes, enjoyed, say. not rushed. So that would be my first travel advice. But, of course, um, you, usually people fly into one of two places, either Shannon or Dublin. Dublin, we've been there a couple of times. I've been there a few times. I think it's just such a great town. There's so many great things to do there. You know, of course, going to the Guinness factory is one of the, the big things. That's one of the big draws. Uh, the Book of Kells, I would really recommend going to see. There's also St. Patrick's Cathedral, which is just amazing to be there. I thought I think it's so beautiful. There's the Temple Bar area, which is kind of a really nice area now, but back in the day, it was kind of the rundown punk area, and it's where U2 got their start. And many other bands. You can't even really walk down the street without hearing live bands, whether it's rock music or Irish traditional folk music. It's just a really fun place to hang out. If you're there at a particular time of year, Watch for the Irish sports. They have a tournament every year building up to a national champion. We were really lucky. We were there when the hurling championships were going on, which is an amazing sport. And we got to go see some of the finals in Croke Park, which is there in Dublin. The amazing thing about that is it's got all this history tied to it. Yeah, you can't really stumble around Dublin without hitting some really interesting and major history. One of the things I was going to say, too, about hurling is that we travel all over the place. And one of the reasons or one of the things that we do when we travel is connect with cultures and doing that through sports where, you know, your local people are participating, watching. It's just a really kind of a different spin on when you're visiting a different country. And once you get outside of Dublin, boy, are there a lot of places to go. We really enjoyed going down to Waterford. That's County Waterford. Yes. And you've heard of Waterford Crystal? They make it right there, and they have a really cool tour you can do. And the city is really beautiful. It's right on the water. There was a big, huge sailing festival going on when we were there. Such great time. Really fun place. We also worked our way over to Cork, which is a fun little city, and a lot of things to do there. And then just outside of that is, of course, Blarney Castle. Yes, and, and the Jameson Whiskey Factory. And I did kiss the Blarney Stone. I'm not <laughs> sure if I got the gift of the gab, though. No, I think it comes naturally to some. Say that again. <laughs> over on the west coast kind of is the Ring of Kerry, which is a place you can drive around. And it's really cool because you, you basically just you drive a few miles. Here's this stunning vista overlooking the ocean. Drive a few more miles. Oh, here's this old monastery from 900 AD. Drive a few more miles. Here's another really cool thing. And you just can't, you know, you just stumble. You need That's one of the places you really need to take time. And as a matter of fact, one of our, our things that we talked about was that we should have gotten ourselves a little uh, bed and breakfast somewhere about halfway through uh, the Ring of Kerry just to be able to enjoy it a little bit more and, and stop more than we did. Continuing on up the West Coast is the Cliffs of Moher. If you've ever seen, you know, an ad or a film where there's these stunning views off of a cliff, people overlooking the ocean, that's what the Cliffs of Moher is like, except you're really there. And can I just say one thing? There's no, a... you're Irish. You can't just say one <laughs> that's thing. That's true. That's true. The funniest sign, and I'm going to have to see if I can find one to post with the show, is like a like a do not lean over the cliff, and it's got like a little stick figure falling over the cliff. And then I think to myself, how many people 
you know, might have not have not heeded to that advice and got themselves a little carried away over the cliff. So no matter what your reason for visiting Ireland, there are a ton of great places to go. However, we are talking about wanting to visit a very specific place as you trace your family history. Coming up, we've got Helen Kelly, who is a terrific genealogist right there in Ireland, who's going to tell us more about what to do, what things to look up in Dublin, and then also the best way to approach going into the townlands where your ancestors were from. Our very own genealogy butler. You are listening to Travel Brigade. You can check out our website, TravelBrigade.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Travel Brigade or like us on Facebook. We'll be right back. You're listening to Travel Brigade with Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin. You can follow them on Twitter, like them on Facebook, and check out their website at TravelBrigade.com. Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry here with my co-host, Jeff Griffin, who happens to be English, but I'm going to allow him to participate in this interview because I actually did take him to Ireland when we were looking for our family roots, where I should say my Irish family roots, and we're here to talk a little bit about that. And I'm applying for honorary Irish membership. It's uh-huh. sort of one of those kiss me, I'm Irish for, that you wear on St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. But I'm applying for, for 365 because I was absolutely enchanted by Ireland. And I was absolutely enchanted by our next guest. Her name is Helen Kelly. She is a professional genealogist. She is a lecturer on family history. She also happens to be at the Shelburne Hotel in Dublin, the genealogy butler. And tell us, what does a genealogy butler do? Oh, hello there, Jeff. I'm Kathleen, uh, genealogy butter, how are you? No need to talk with you. Um, I miss your voice butter. already. It's so cute. <laughs> you may not know, but I'm the only one in the world. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and can only be because the, the Shelburne Hotel copyrighted the title when they, oh. when they appointed me five years ago. How yeah. posh. Yeah, it's very posh, but it's lovely, and I enjoy it, because what I do essentially with guests who stay in the Shelburne Hotel is I assess the information that they send to me in advance about their Irish ancestor, and I, I then meet with them, and we sip coffee, nothing stronger, in the, the Lord Mayor's Lounge in the Shelburne Hotel while we discuss their family roots. Yes, I go like online we as you. well, and I introduce them. I empower them, essentially, to do their own research and to continue with it in Ireland. And one thing, let's talk about before somebody comes to meet with you, what information should they try to get? What should they try to do before they come to Ireland? You jokingly told us about people who get off the plane and say, oh, I want to search up Mary Murphy. I think she was born in the 19th century. Well, ideally, I like to know. People need to establish from the U.S. records the name of their Irish-born ancestor, the approximate year of birth, uh, place of birth if possible, and then the names of the uh, parents, because that can be got from U.S. marriage records, for example, death records of an immigrant as well provide that information. Not always, but usually. But you know, I, I have to say, Jeff, that occasionally people come with the name of somebody that they believe was born in Ireland. But now there's so much on the internet and I'm a subscriber to uh, Ancestry.com. I can sometimes, um, I go back with them into that period. Uh, sorry, I go back into the state's records, the United States records on ancestry, and we can soon um, identify the name of the person who was born in Ireland. But ideally, I prefer people who are coming to Ireland to have their homework done. So what they do is they, they sit down and write all they know about their ancestors. And we, most of us can go back to grandparents at least. 
and then they talk with older relatives and then they go on the paper trail in the States. And, you know, you now have the 1940 U.S. census returns online, which is amazing because the, the earliest one, we, or the latest, the most recent one that we have available to us in Ireland is 1911. Now, we were able to do a lot of genealogy research before we got there, but I cannot emphasize this enough. We would have still been stumbling around in the dark had we not stumbled our way upon you <laughs> and had you show us where to go, how to get things, what to do. Yeah. What are some things that you help people to do once they get there? Well, I empower them. I, I tell you, one of the first things I do with them, Jeff, is I introduce them to the whole concept of territory in Ireland. Most of our ancestors were rural dwellers. You know, most people lived in, in the rural areas. And we have these little places, names called townlands in Ireland. There are over 64,000 of them. And I, I usually introduce my people when I sit with them in consultation. I give them a little PowerPoint presentation about landscape in Ireland and it's hugely uh, beneficial to them because within every county we have all these administrative divisions that seem like rocket science but they're not really <laughs> but they need somebody like myself to do it with them. Well and what's interesting like you said I mean here in the U.S. I mean unless you travel to Ireland regularly and you know we had actually been over there a few times prior to this but I mean you're, you're aware of the counties you're aware of the big cities but yes when you actually really break it down and understand the landscape and understand these townlands that are literally a few houses big, it really takes it down on such an intimate level. Absolutely. And I, that's why I caution people not to settle for the nearest large town where their ancestor was born in. Only a few weeks ago, I sent somebody down to the west of Ireland, and they had the nearest large town in their uh, subconscious and in their conscious level. And um, with a little bit of research in the National Library through a parish register, we found the name of the townland, and I really impressed upon them to go there. And, you know, it worked out beautifully because they ended up standing in the old um, ruins of the house where the great-great-grandfather had been born. And, and they found they met with somebody related to them distantly. But, and even if you don't meet with somebody who is your relative down there in that townland, you will at least go back right into the area where your ancestor was cradled, as it were. And as you know from our experience, this is one of the things that Helen helped me do. We ended up in Waterford, County Waterford, close to Lismore, going through little townlands to try and find these areas and ended up finding one of the houses where my great-great-grandfather lived. And it's really, the house is amazing, but I think you're right. Being in that environment, we were able to find the parish where he was baptized. We were able to find the parish where my great-great-grandparents were married. And it is more, it is being in that landscape and just looking at the environment and really realizing this is the dirt where your ancestors lived and thrived and, or in some cases, did thrive and you know had to move on so they could thrive but you feel like you've come home absolutely Kathleen and even if I go with people into that landscape I too feel as if I've come home with them uh, because there's a, there's a, it, I call it the goosebump trail it's, <laughs> yeah, yes. it's magical and it's it's amazing stuff and you, you can't get it on the internet believe me it's not something no. that you can experience virtually uh, you have to insert yourself in there and you see every county has its own culture and heritage their own accent so you're going back listening to people who are, speak, who are speaking now like your ancestors spoke. Mm -hmm. Great stuff. I think the best advice you gave us out of all the great advice you gave us was five simple words. 
get out of the car yeah. and <laughs> and walk around in these townlands, talk to people, and don't go knocking on the door and say, exactly. "Hey, we're we're back from America, we're we're here." <laughs> but but no, we just yeah. we yeah. just kind no, of no. If we saw somebody out and we saw a farmer out yeah. working on his tractor. We talked to yeah. him, and it was just an amazing experience. How friendly people were. It was something that you don't typically have when you're there as a tourist is getting yeah. to talk to and know these people. It was it was one of the great travel experiences we've had. Oh, that's great. I'd love to hear that. Yeah. And oh yeah, and what I said, get out of the car and walk gently in the area. Yes, gently. <laughs> walk gently. <laughs> and you know, people get it straight away, which I mean and you know, it works oh, beautifully yeah. that way. Because we we're a shy, reticent people. The Irish may seem very outgoing and all the rest of suppose we are in ways. But we're also shy and reticent um, and you know so it takes time to build up that kind of relationship. Um, so when you walk gently in the uh, the roads of a townland, you'll inevitably meet with somebody on a you know on a tractor or somebody standing inside <laughs> of the road. And uh, you, or, you'll or in a pub, them. in our case. <laughs> or in a pub, exactly. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but another kind of spirit flows too yes, when you're yes. out in the landscape. Yes. Amazing stuff. Very spiritual trail. It's unique, I suppose. Well, anybody going back into their own uh, particular landscape of their ancestral homeland um, should experience this kind of magic. But in Ireland, there's something about it, right? Uh, maybe I'm prejudiced, but I, I find even for me, landing in Dublin Airport, I certainly get a great buzz. I guess it's je ne sais quoi. You yeah. Know, what, what is this that kind of sparks tears in my eyes? Je ne sais quoi, is that Gaelic? What, what is, no, it's not supposed to be French. French isn't too good. <laughs> it's just, you know, what is this, you know? It's a remarkable kind of thing. You know, um, one interesting thing we also, you know, besides our trip out to the townlands, we spent some time in the city looking at records. Tell us a little bit about the types of records that you can find there while you're trying to access your ancestors. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, it's for people who were, uh, whose ancestor was born in what is now the Republic of Ireland, uh, most of their research should be done, can be done, some can be done online, not all of it, but most of it should be done in Dublin before you go down into the townlands. You won't be able to do it in the townlands, of course not, but Waterford City Library, for example, for you, and even uh, in this more, there were places. Um, but in Dublin, what you can access are parish registers up to 1880 because the National Library of Ireland holds microfilm copies of Roman Catholic parish registers for almost every parish in all of Ireland up to 1880 and up to 1900 in some cases. Now, a lot of people think they should go straight to the parish and uh, ask the priest to look them up. But, I mean, we must respect that they're not there to do our family history. And, you know, they have other things to do. Right. But that, you know, I would prefer to see people spend, factoring in a little bit of time in Dublin to look at parish registers. They can also do a certain amount online now on databases that are available for parish registers. There are, uh, in the local areas, what I think are wonderful, county libraries, for example, there are lots of collections of local history and folklore. Only last weekend I gave a lecture on using uh, local history and folklore sources in terms of genealogy. And um, you can get a good sense of the culture and heritage through uh, spending a little bit of time in the county library. And you may come across um, information from a collection of folklore that was gathered in 1937-38 by young school children who, took, who interviewed parents and grandparents and older neighbours. And it's a lovely collection because 
you know, the paper trail is hugely essential. When that's finished, you really should try and put flesh and blood on, on the bones of the ancestors, as it were. And you can do that through reading up lovely contextual information that's available in libraries and available on a lot of websites now as well. It's really a thrilling experience. I mean, there's so many people, they say millions and millions of people in the U.S. have Irish heritage, mm. and it's such, it's such a thrilling experience. As a matter of fact, it's becoming such a big thing that even the tourism department is seeing it as such a great reason for people to come and visit Ireland. Tell us a little bit about the gathering. Oh, yes, absolutely. In the last four years, I have been on Tourism Ireland stand at Who Do You Think You Are event in London, and the footfall to it is amazing. Tourism Ireland, yes, devised this in Initiative. Um, I think last year they thought it up about a, having a gathering. And But the, the, the thing I like about it is that they've left it to the grassroots, to the local areas, to put out their arms and embrace the diaspora and welcome them home. And every county has v- uh, various events that they are have, have been there maybe all the time, like agricultural shows that take place annually or race meetings or whatever. But this year they're putting an added dimension into those events and saying and putting it out on websites and Twitter and so on and Tourism Island sites saying, please come back, we want you to come back. And extending the hands of friendship out to the millions of Irish that are scattered all over the globe. I mean, it's amazing. Come home. Well, Helen, thank you so much. You are a wonderful fountain of information. If you go to the Travel Brigade website, you will find a link to her website. And she knows everything you would ever need to know. Get your own genealogy butler. That's right. (laughs) And thank you so much for speaking with us, Helen. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Okay. Have a good good day now. Bye-bye. Thank you. You're listening to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. We'll be right back. You're listening to Travel Brigade with Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin. You can follow them on Twitter, like them on Facebook, and check out their website at TravelBrigade.com. Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is our show on tracing your Irish roots and traveling to Ireland. This is Kathleen Curry here with my co-host, Jeff Griffin. And as you just heard in our interview with Helen Kelly, one of the things you'll want to do is once you find out where those ancestors were from, there's a good chance they were from what's called a townland, which is basically just a few houses gathered together in the Irish countryside. You're going to want to go there to visit. And we wanted to let you know a little bit about our experience. It was one of the great travel experiences we've had. We've traveled all over. We've had a lot of amazing experiences, seen a lot of great things. But this was a chance where we really got to meet some local people and get to know them. And here we're talking about the highlights of Ireland. When you are there, of course, you don't want to miss Galway, Waterford, uh, Dublin, the Cliffs of Moher, the Ring of Kerry. However, these little townlands is what is still left of authentic, true, uh, the true culture of Ireland. The people are so friendly. Um, we went into like little shops to eat. We went to you know little pubs on the side of the street. It was just and and literally when Jeff means townlands, we're talking about just a few houses. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. You think about where you live, and then you think about a few blocks away. Let's say that would be an entirely different townland in Ireland. It's a very small area. People have been there for hundreds of years. We happened upon a farmer, uh, started talking with him. He was out working in the field, and we asked him, well, how long have you been farming here? And he said, my family's been here 500 years. (laughs) And one of the interesting things was there was a very unique local dialect. So people that have been around for 100 years or 50 years, they're what you call blow-ins. Yeah, they're the newcomers. Yes. 
these town lands, what's great is there are people who will know your family name. There are people who, if they're old enough, will remember maybe some family members that you've traced back to. One thing Helen really pointed out, though, don't just show up and go knocking on doors and say, hey, we're back. We're the Americans. We're Aren't you glad to have us here? It doesn't work that way. Just get out of your car, drive around, look around, talk to some people. They will pick up very quickly who you are and why you're there. I remember stopping. They know you're a blow-in. Yes. <laughs> I remember specifically driving along a country road and stopping and getting out and saying to this man who was wa- out walking his dog saying, oh, hi, we're from America. And he looked at us and he said, and you're lost. <laughs> and we were <laughs> because there's all these little side roads and the GPS is only so helpful. Can you, I, I already can tell where this path is going. We are not going to talk about driving in Ireland. <laughs> Now, it was a traumatic experience for yeah. our for our relationship. <laughs> but it's worth doing to have the kind of experience we had. Driving no, great. Driving out in these little countrysides is difficult because you've got these very thin roads. Number one, and if you're an American or a Canadian, you're driving on the opposite side of the road from what you're used to. And then you've got these very thin roads, and there's always a hedge on either side of the road, <laughs> no matter where you go. The hedge loved our car. You basically, these other cars are coming at you and they're used to driving these roads and they're not swerving out of the way. How I describe it is kind of a game of chicken all the time. And I was always the chicken. Yeah, so it's <laughs> it's difficult, but it is so worth it to have the kind of experiences you had. It's one of those Irish experiences you have to have. A couple of things we'd recommend doing, just go out and drive around, stop at the local parish. If you see people while you're out driving, just stop and ask them. And if you are not overbearing in your approach, you'll find that people are very nice, very willing to help. Go to a local pub. Yeah, there's always a pub and there's always going to be people gathered there. We, we met a great guy named O'Keefe. That's all we O'Keefe. know his name. And he just told us, yeah, just that was his name. And, you know, it was one of those things where he said, oh, you need to go talk to this guy and took us to that guy's yeah, house. Yeah, took us to and, somebody's house. It was, it was great. <laughs> and, you know, we're not saying everybody's going to have that experience, but if you kind of get to know people and say, oh, I'm, you know, the great-grandson of so-and-so, they're going to they're gonna know who you're talking about. And if you handle it in the right way, they're going to appreciate the fact that you're there. You know, another thing, too, is, you know, there's lots of hotels in the big cities. And we were fortunate enough, driving through all these old townlands, that we got to stay in some really, really unique places. Bed and breakfast, there's one literally in every town. But that's kind of the, the fun of it is being inside a little town. And so that's a great recommendation when you're, you know, out and about. And with bed and breakfast in Ireland, it's a little bit different from what you used to. You can kind of just show up and see if they have a room for the night. I don't know if I'd recommend it during busy season, but yes, you can. So the driving aside, we hope that this motivates you to get out those family stories, look up those grandparents, those aunts and uncles, find out who was from where, and get over to Ireland and find the townland where your family came from. It was a magical experience on a number of levels. Coming up in our He Said, She Said segment, we're going to be talking about what our favorite parts of that were. But I can't say enough how much this was different from the usual travel experience. Not that the usual travel experience isn't terrific, but this was something on a whole different level. Coming up, He Said, She Said here on Travel Brigade. We're your weekly travel and destination show. Stay tuned. (laughs) 
don't always agree, but they always seem to have their reasons. Next up, Travel Brigade's countdown of their favorites from this week's show on He Said, She Said. Welcome back to Travel Brigade, or should I say, Erin Go Bra. Do you know what that means? Um, I haven't. I've never seen Erin. <laughs> it means so she's a lovely lass. Ireland forever. Oh. <laughs> You're listening to Travel Brigade. I was actually going to start saying some swear words in Gaelic, but then I decided yeah, we never know who's listening yeah. to the show. But this is, a, this is a family show <laughs> or family history show. Ah, there you go. Anyway, um, this is our segment. He said, she said. We're going to each tell you our three favorite things about going back to Ireland to trace family roots back there. She said goes first. That's true. She said does go first. I This is the simple word. It's just the, the people in Ireland are so nice and so friendly. And if you, you know, you can just hear it in Helen's voice. Just such a nice person. So sweet. Going through these townlands and meeting different people, it, there just wasn't... Uh, one person that was like put off by talking to us or that wasn't friendly or didn't offer, you know, advice to us or I mean, nothing just I didn't matter where we were. It was just I, I find the people of Ireland really charming and so friendly. It's really more than the landscape or anything. It's just a really unique and fun place to be because of the people. My number three actually starts before we got to Ireland, and it was the Family History Library in Salt Lake City. And again, very nice people there, very helpful. And David, of course, was very helpful with us. It was just kind of stunning to be there and see all these records they had and see all the history just sitting there in that one place. It just kind of all washes over you and you get this sense of connecting to other generations. It was, for me, it was a really great experience. My number two was really sort of the outcome from our research. It was so amazing uh, finding out information about uh, my family, where they came from. Um, I knew a lot of it, but I found out so much more found out last names that were spelled incorrectly that we thought, um, different things like that, to actually be able to go to the land where my great-great-grandfather lived, to go to the parish where he was baptized, to go to another parish where he and my great-great-grandmother were married, to just have all these experiences and to be there in the actual church and in the actual parish, it was astonishing. I can't tell you how amazing that felt. My number two was meeting Helen Kelly. I mean, <laughs> quintessential Irish, and she helped us so much. I would really recommend when you go to Ireland using a professional genealogist there, it really turned what you know, would have otherwise been a good trip into a great experience. And I did call her Mary Poppins before, and I should clarify an Irish Mary Poppins. <laughs> yes. My number one is, Helen said this to me before we went out to the townlands of just being in the in the landscape of your ancestors. It was such an amazing experience just looking at, it's one thing to be in a building. It's another thing to be looking at the hills and the literally the landscape that your family was embraced by growing up and that was just another really amazing experience is to just be there in that environment my number one was far less touching much more <laughs> funny you know how when you travel one of the great things about it is you come back with these stories yes 
that you'll just never forget, and you love telling them to your friends and family. We had one of those down in this little Irish townland that we visited. As we mentioned before, we went to this pub to kind of just hang out and see if anybody knew anything. And we struck up a conversation with a man who just called himself O'Keefe. And we said, oh, what's your name? You just need to know me as O'Keefe. So we start talking to him, and he says, oh, you need to go meet this man named so-and-so. He's kind of the local person who knows a lot about the genealogy around here and the history. We're kind of like, oh, we can call him. I said, no, no, I'm going to take you by his house right now. <laughs> so he's got a pint of Guinness, of course. We're, we're in an Irish pub. He's got a pint of Guinness. He takes it, and he sets it down on the bar, and he yells out to the whole bar, I'll be back for this. <laughs> Goes out, jumps the whole in bar, his, <laughs> let, me, let me just clarify, the whole bar had like six people in it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like a little townland bar. He goes out, hops in his truck, and we follow him down to this other guy's house. And it just, like, the whole thing just, that's Ireland in a nutshell. I, I couldn't agree more. And then this really kind gentleman invites us into his house, totally unannounced, which was just so, like, we were just half humiliated. And he just yeah. made us feel so welcome and so comfortable and he had all these amazing records from the towns and shared really interesting things from the schoolhouse records and I mean just you can't create those kinds of experiences you stumble upon them unfortunately we're going to have to stumble our way out of here right now if you want contact information for our guests today or to find out about the gathering or things like that just go to travelbrigade.com click on the hot sheet and we'll have that information there on our website Next week, we'll be back with another great episode for you. In the meantime, remember, there are two stages in life. You're either on a trip or you're planning your next trip. Whatever stage you're in, please join us next week for the Travel Brigade radio show. Make sure that you check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and at TravelBrigade.com. Enjoy the trip. See you next week. You have been listening to Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin on Travel Brigade. Connect with them on Facebook, Twitter, and at TravelBrigade.com.